Uh, it's great to uh, have the children with us, isn't it? Yeah, it's great to be a part of a, a family that's uh, never going to end. And so glad that you're uh, here today. Uh, two weeks from today, Lord willing, I won't be in this country. I'll be in uh, Zimbabwe. Patty and I are actually leaving for uh, four months. And so we're going to miss you for a while. Uh, many of you probably don't know, but Patty and I asked our elders some time back if we could go to one-half time with Valley Church and uh, one-half time with Hands of Hope. Hands of Hope has grown to 50 projects with 30 different churches, eight residential homes, six preschools, and 30-some feeding and educational programs. So we're going to be, uh, be missing you. We'll come back in uh, June, and hopefully Dave will let me you know, preach once in a while here, and I'll get to see your friendly faces again. Uh, yeah, it's just so good to be with family. In fact, there was somebody here today that I saw that was so excited to come to church, they couldn't wait to get here. They were putting their lipstick on as they were driving right down Branham. You know, I just couldn't believe it. I, I just know you love to be here. And uh, before I got here, I stopped at Starbucks. I was going over what I was going to share with you today. And as I was standing there, I had my tie on because I did announcements at Valley Church first hour. And this about maybe 22-year-old, sharp-looking guy, he says, are you going to church? And I says, uh, yeah, I am. I'm going to speak. He says, uh, church, man. I don't know about church. I said, well, why? He says, oh, my sister tells me. Tells me that you guys are so narrow-minded. That you just don't accept all kinds of religions. You're just... And then he looked at me and he says, you've got to fix that. And he just walked away. Now, I'm, I'm glad that there's, there, it's narrow. It's the narrow way. huh? I'm glad God said, you know what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm glad there's not 50 ways and somehow I've got to meander my way and find God out there some way. Aren't you? But you know what? Those people need to understand and, oh, if they could just be part of a family where they're loved. and where You know that last song? They were meant to be in relationship with, with God. Now, of all the characteristics that in, regarding the nature of God that I love, one kind of stands out to me. And that's generosity. God is such a generous God. And uh, so, if you're in fellowship with Him, that ought to flow out of your heart and mind, His, his generosity. I was reminded of a story I heard about uh, a church. Actually, the roof had collapsed. And uh, so, they decided to have a prayer meeting to pray that God would move in their midst and that people would give to replace the roof. And uh, so, that's what they did. They had a prayer meeting every single week. And there was this... This older gentleman in the back who was, was really rich, he was also really stingy. So at the end of the prayer meeting, they would pass the offering baskets just, you know, for the roof. And at that time, he would slip out. And uh, so one of the prayer meetings, the, the pastor caught him in the, in the back, sitting in the back, says, hey, come on down and sit down in front. And so he dragged him all the way down. He sat down right in the, in the front row, you know. So at the end of the prayer meeting, they were going to start passing the offering baskets. And this guy, he just gently gets up and he starts walking out and a piece of plaster from the roof fell down and hit him on the head. 
And he said, okay, Lord, I guess you're speaking to me. I'll give you $10,000 to the building fund. There's a lady in the back says, hit him again, Lord. Hit him again. (laughs) Well, you know what? Some of us need to be hit again as it relates to the whole aspect of giving. Because if you are not giving, you're missing out, honestly, on one of the biggest and greatest blessings that God has for you as a Christian. Because you reflect the heart of God when you're generous. And so we want to talk about that today. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole thing. Not, not just a little. The, the whole tithe. Notice, why? The purpose clause. So that there may be food in my house and test me. Now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the window of heaven and pour out a blessing for you until it overflows. God wants you to give. Not the last. He wants you to give the first. Proverbs says, honor the Lord from the first of your produce. Not what's left over from the first. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So you can receive God's blessing when you honor Him. You know, Jeremiah says, those who honor me, I will honor. And so we're to honor Him. And I want you to take your Bibles out now, if you would, and turn to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 16. There's an outline in your worship folder you can follow along. We're in this series called Jesus... Hard to believe. Now, let me just read a couple of thoughts with you. If you think uh, NBC is an easy believism church and that the words of Jesus are easy to believe, here's what he says in a couple of chapters before Luke 16. Listen carefully. So then, none of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his possessions. Uh oh. Then he says in Luke chapter 12, sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which will not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No man can serve. Two masters. You can't do it. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's like oil and water. They just don't mix. Now, my title this morning is, Are You a Genius? Now, I'm not talking just about IQ. Some of you can remember back what you got in your SAT score or whatever else it might be. I'm not talking that. You look up the word genius, it means mastermind. All right? But what I am talking about in terms of genius is wise, clever, Astute, prudent, judicious. Some of you here are geniuses and you don't know it. And some of you have, well, all of us have the potential to become one. Whether you realize it or not. And so, I want to share with you from this parable. Now, before I read, let me tell you, this is a parable about money. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because of the Uh, 38 parables that Jesus told, 19 of them, half 
had to do with money. Uh, the Bible talks about baptism in the New Testament, but there are 16 times more verses in the New Testament about handling money than baptism. Lord's Supper, we take that, huh? Third Sunday of every month, is it important? Well, sure. The Lord Jesus gave it to us. But there are 32 times more biblical statements about Christian financial stewardship than there is about the Lord's Supper. And God wants to know if He can trust you with the funds, with the resources that He's placed in your hand. Now, as I read this, this parable, I want you to listen. Here are the points. I'm going to give them to you before. This is called the parable of the unrighteous steward or manager. So you're going to find as we read, the manager was charged with embezzlement. He wasted his master's goods. And he was required to give an account. He knew he was guilty. And he was apparently unable to work. Maybe he was just lazy. And unable to ask for mercy from his master. And so he devised a very careful plan to secure his future. And then Jesus is going to give us the crux of the teaching in verse 9. And then make some application for all of us here today. Alright, you ready? Here we go. I want you to follow along as I read. Luke chapter 16. Now Jesus was also saying to his disciples. So you know who he's speaking to. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you, for me. There was a rich man who had a manager. And this manager reported him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? He didn't actually observe it. He just heard it. Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, Do you ever talk to yourself? <laughs> what, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management from me, away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said, Take your bill and write eighty. Now look at verse 8. His master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Jesus is saying, wake up. And here's what he says. Now look at verse 9. I say to you, he tells a parable, and here's the truth. Make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness so when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, 
who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other or else you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now look who is listening in. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Now, I just want to share with you some thoughts this morning, five of them. Let's see how, if you're a genius or not. Number one, you're a genius if you know your identity. Do you know who you are besides being a follower of Jesus and a Christian? You're his money manager. You did know that, didn't you? (laughs) He's entrusted to you resources. This uh, wealth, you may say, well, I'm not wealthy. Look at my credit card debt. If you own a car, if you have a place to sleep, if you own a computer, I'll tell you, you're, you're quite rich in relation to most of the world. You're his money manager. You're not only his money manager, you're a manager of everything he's entrusted to you. Your gifts, your abilities... Whatever you have, He's just given it. And now He's going to ask you sometime about how you're using them for Him. So, you're His money manager. You got it? You're, you're really a genius if you know who you are. Most of the time, you know, we don't, we don't think about how we spend this stuff that's in here. Lord, how would you have it, me spend it? I'm going to talk a little bit about that, how... Some of us are spending what we have. All right, secondly, you are a genius if you're shrewd. Now, most of us, when we think of the word shrewd, we don't think uh, it's such a good thing. The word actually has to do with being clever, uh, you know, kind of thing, cunning, that that type of idea. But uh, do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out? I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be what? Shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves. We're not to be a bunch of idiots. We're to be wise. Huh? Shrewd. That's what the parable has to do about. The the manager praised this unrighteous, or the, the master praised the unrighteous steward because he was shrewd. He planned for the future. And so, you and I are going to face a day of accounting. And so, you should prepare. If you're shrewd, if you're wise, if you're astute, if you're judicious, you're going to prepare yourself for accounting day. You're going to have to give an account before God of everything He's entrusted to you, including your time, your talent, your gifts, your abilities, all of that. That's that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We will all stand as Christians before the Bema seat of Jesus. You're going to be there. And all your works are going to be tested by fire. Glenn's too. Glenn will probably have a bunch of ashes there, you know. They're going to be tested, really. And so we're going to have to give an account. Not for our sins, not the great white throne judgment. That's Revelation 20. The Bema seat of Jesus. So uh, this guy made preparation for the future. And so we need to be 
wise as can be. You see, this manager, unrighteous one, was facing a deadline. His job was going to end. And so he formulated a plan and he acted before the opportunity was gone. You got any plan for how you're using the resources that God has given you? I mean, really thinking it through? How you use what He has? That's what Jesus is telling in this parable. That we are to be shrewd. We are to be wise in what we do. Because one day your money will be gone and you'll be gone from your money. I did a graveside for a friend of mine, uh, Kelsey Patterson, for his wife Ruth at Justine by Los Banos on Thursday. We had a memorial service. We had a huge amount of people there at at Valley Church yesterday. And you know, you take nothing with you. You come in naked and you go out dressed in some kind of a suit or a nice dress. And they put you under. How are you using what you've got? All right? Now, the third thing is this. You are really a genius if you're generous. God is the most generous being in all of the universe. In fact, it tells us in, in, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 12, Do not fear, little flock. The Father has gladly chosen to give you the kingdom. You're here today because God has been gracious to you. He's allowed you to come into His family to be part of the kingdom of which He is the King. And we get to serve Him and worship Him and honor Him, whether it's with our voices, whether it's with our finances. I, I heard a story about a, <clears throat> a guy who came to church and, and he was complaining on the way home. The music was too loud. The sermon was too long. The announcements were unclear. The building was too hot. The people were unfriendly. He went on and on. And his little son looked over at him and says, Well, Dad, you know, actually, you have to admit, it wasn't a, a bad show for the dollar that you put in that little basket that went down. Yeah. Generosity. It's the very heart of God. If you have an old King James version of the Bible, it'll say... Uh, make friends with the mammon of unrighteousness. Now, the word mammon there was the ancient Canaanite god of riches. And they worship riches. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? You use this stuff here that you have. It's going to fade away. There's no inherent anything Evil about it, but it isn't really righteous either. You use this in this life to make eternal friends. Who shared with you the good news about Jesus? Family member? A grandma? Pastor? Sunday school teacher? Whoever it might be? When you get there, you're gonna, ha- you're gonna thank them. Hey, thanks for sharing. With me. Ruth Patterson, 85, she died. She loved children. Good News Club, Sunday school teacher. I mean, for years and years and years, she poured out her life. We had 10 minutes in the service yesterday singing children's songs. I'd never done that at a memorial celebration. But that was her heart. It was for kids. 
And she's going to be in heaven. Demir Lu, a friend of mine, he led this whole package. He was in her Sunday school class. He could barely sing these songs because he learned them from Ruth. And he's going to be up there in heaven one day thanking Ruth because she shared Jesus with him. And so Jesus says, make use of the funds, the possessions and things that you have to make eternal friends. That's why we give to missions. That's why we do evangelism. That's why we're doing the egg thing, egg hunt coming up. huh? It's going to cost a little bit, but we're trying to build some bridges with lost people around here so they could hear the good news about Christ. Now, some people say, you know what? Money is just plain evil. Money isn't evil. It's all moral. Okay? It's, it's neutral. It can be used to build a facility like this. It can be used to feed the hungry, to educate people, to take the good news around the world. It can be used to buy drugs, to create pornography. And one could go on and on and on. I... Um, I got something from the Wall Street Journal. Some of you read that. By the way, I hope you don't check the Dow and the NASDAQ before you talk to the Lord in the morning. But, uh, you know, you've got to check in with Him before you check out how your 401Ks and all that kind of stuff are doing. But I read this in the Wall Street Journal. Listen, listen to what it says. A few years ago, this was, an art, this was printed. Money is an article which may be used as a universal passport to everywhere except heaven and as a universal provider of everything except happiness. Your money doesn't make you happy, and it doesn't get you into heaven. You can't buy your way in. He's already paid the price for that. You know, as we sit here, we enjoy the lights, we enjoy the surroundings, we enjoy the building, we enjoy... Even the toilet paper. We enjoy the music. We enjoy the instruments. We enjoy friendships. We do weddings here, baby showers, baptisms, all of that. The teaching that happens. The community groups and so forth. It all costs. That's why we give to the local body. And I think sometime in the future here, you're going you, you, you know, to have some, some uh, plans at NBC about expanding. We're doing a thing called Stepping Stones at Valley Church in some expansion areas. And uh, you'll probably have an opportunity to, to do that here shortly. He'll roll out some things uh, for you. Are you generous? You're a genius if you are. Fourthly, you're a genius if you're faithful. That is that you use your resources faithfully. That you use them. I heard about a farmer who uh, came to the pastor's office and he spoke to the secretary and he said this, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. Now, you all know what a trough, you, most of you aren't farmers, but a trough is where the, the pigs feed, you know, uh, where they eat. So, okay, you got it now? All right, you got it. Head hog at the trough. The receptionist, sir, if you are referring to our beloved pastor, I don't think you should say that refer to him as the head hog at the trough. And so the man said, well, okay, fine. I, I just sold, he said, a few sows and I was going to donate $25,000 to the building fund. I was just hoping that I could catch him in. The receptionist, being very astute and shrewd, said, excuse me just a moment. I think the big pig just walked in. 
have. Generosity. Your management of God's money determines if He can trust you with true riches. If He can entrust you with other areas of ministry and leadership. If you have children and you can't trust them with little things, you're not going to trust them with anything more. If God can't trust you and me with what He's given, if we just spend it selfishly just for ourselves, we're so unlike God who makes it to reign even on the just and the unjust. He's gracious to ungodly people even. Wish they could understand that. But, uh, you know, that's how, that's how God is. And so He wants us to be faithful. Notice what He says there. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are the sons of this age and they're the sons of light. Now, hopefully you're over here in the sons of light. But the point that he makes here is the sons of this age are more shrewd than the sons of light. Of people who ought to be astute and planning for the future and making eternal friends and using our resources, it ought to be you and me. We're the ones who've been enlightened. We're the ones who are looking towards a heavenly kingdom. And those who have been used by God the most are those who are looking, those who look the most to the next life and the life that others are going to live there. Because what is this? 70 years or due to strength, 80? I'm going to be 65 if I make it to September. Hey, it's passing away. Life very, very quickly. And so use what you have. Be faithful with what God has entrusted to you. When you come to the New Testament, there's nothing in here about tithing. 10%, you know. There isn't. The New Testament principle is that God owns it all. You're His money manager. How are you managing His finances? It seems logical that a tithe would be what you sh should start with in terms of giving. Now, I heard some people say, well, you know what, I'd tithe if, if, if I made a million bucks. Well, that'd be just, you know, 100,000. Well, sure you would. But what are you doing with the 20,000, the 30,000, the 40,000, the 50,000, whatever it might be? In the Old Testament, they had like seven major feasts. Probably, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, you don't remember. But the first is the Feast of the Passover. It occurs on the seventh month on the 14th day. On the seventh month of the 15th day, they had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then on the next Sabbath after that, they had the Feast of First Fruits. When did Jesus die? On Passover. He's our Passover lamb. When, was he, when did He go into the ground? On the Day of Unleavened Bread. That they celebrated as historic from the past. It signifies life from the ground. And then the Sabbath after was the day of first fruits. Now it so happened in that particular year, it doesn't always happen that way, that those days occurred one after another after another. So is it any wonder when you come to 1 Corinthians 15 it talks about resurrection? Christ is the first fruits. 
And the children of Israel brought the first fruits from their produce, whatever they had. God, we're given this to you in hopes that you will bless the rest and we'll really get a harvest out here. See? They gave it. They dedicated it to the Lord. The first fruits. Honor the Lord from the last of your wealth, whatever's left over. No. From the first. You honor Him. Some of you could give testimony today. Maybe I ought to have one, Dave, some point in time here. Of people who, man, what a struggle. Next Sunday, I want to teach about walking on water. You walked on water lately? Some of you need to take a step of faith as it relates to your giving. Be surprised what God might do in terms of that. In a book called The Day America Told the Truth, 25% of people said for $10 million they would abandon their family. 23% they would become a prostitute for a week. 16% they would leave their spouse. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. It's only money. Doesn't mean much, does it? You see, money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And many people are mastered by their money. And uh, if you realize it all comes from Him and you're just a money manager, man, it takes a lot of pressure off. Hey, as we close today, I, I want us just to think for a moment. And I want you to think personally. All of us here today are living in one of four categories as it relates to money management. Some of us here today are living above our means. Does that sound good? Not really. Your expenses exceed your income. And the result is D-E-B-T, debt. Rich Henderson and Love, Inc., they try to help people get out of debt. All right? So, some of you are in that category. You need some help. You need to go to Rich. You need to go to somebody. You need some help because you, your spending is out of control. And by the way, you know that 64% of couples argue over money? And one of the causes of divorce, 54%, not the main thing, the number one cause of divorce is selfishness. Uh, but 54% of all divorces, somewhere mixed in there, are money matters. So some of you are living above your means. Some of you are living at your means. You know what that means? Easy come, easy go. I got it, I'll spend it. I got it right here. Today's the day. Huh? Tomorrow I may die. Got to have my desserts today. Can't save anything. So, some of you are just living right there. Living at your means. Some of you, some of us, are living within our means. That means we're prudent. We plan ahead for a rainy day. I met somebody at Starbucks yesterday because we're looking at some things in microenterprise in Zimbabwe and his, he has a, a 2001 Beamer and he blew his engine on it. They only give him $1,500 for it. That, that's it, you know. So, hey, he's got to get another mode of transportation. <laughs> you, you plan anything out for something like that happening? Your, your children's education? Whatever it might be, you've got to think ahead. You're prudent. Many of you are living there. You're living with below 
uh, or within your means. And here's the last. That is living below your means. That's the whole concept of even if I can afford something, I'm going to use God's resources prudently, judiciously. I'm going to think things through. I'm, I'm thinking about how I can store up treasures in heaven. Because you're either storing them up or hoarding them here, or you're sending it up ahead. It's like the guy who died and, and uh, all he had was a little shack. And Lord, he said to the Lord, what's up with this? He said, well, that's all the lumber you sent up here. <laughs> you didn't send anything. You didn't prepare for a counting day. You know, think ahead. Live below your means. And here's my second thought. Protect your investments. What's the stock market going to do this week? I was at the gym the other day and these two guys were talking. Well, that was last week, the week before. He says, after, you know, downward spiral, hey, triple figures, went up 200 points. So if these three guys are talking about all their investments and so forth like that, I'm thinking, well, you know, they can talk about it, but who knows what, you know, took a 300 drop dip the other day, didn't it? You put all your eggs in that basket, you're in a heap of trouble. Huh? Yeah. That's why Jesus said, sell all you have. Then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Give it to charity. The Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Now, that doesn't mean you go and sell everything. You've got to live somewhere. You've got to take care of your kids and all of that. But does, it, does, does this own you? Does it drive you to all your decision making? Or is it, are you just realize you're a steward of it and you use it wisely to provide, to plan ahead, and to make eternal friends up there? Let me ask some of you here. Do you have a living trust? Do you have a will of any sort? You, you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. You don't know when you're on the freeway, somebody comes across the center divider at you. You don't know when it's going to happen. I know people who work hard, 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 old people, all their lives. They have no will. They have no living trust when they die. And the government and other people and so forth, lawyers, they get most of it. That, that's foolishness. Plan ahead. In, in our living trust that we have, yeah, some goes to Kelly, some goes to Glenn. But you know what? We're given out of what we have. We own a house. It's, some's going to go to the Lord out of there. It's going to go to Valley Church. It's going to go to Hands of Hope. It's, it's, you know, I'm not just giving it all to my kids. Ecclesiastes and those things said, you know what? You, you work your whole life and you give it to, to somebody, one of your relatives even, and they spend it foolishly. They squander it. You wouldn't want to give all of your resources to some kid that doesn't even know how to handle it. That would be foolishness. Use it wisely. Store up treasures in heaven. So you're planning ahead. I close with this verse. From the lips of our Savior who knew what it was like to pour out His blood for you. And He says this in Luke 6, Give, and it will be given to you. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap. For whatever measure you deal out to others, it will be dealt to you in return. Generous people, those who water, according to Proverbs, will be watered. It may not necessarily come back to you in this way. Well, I'm just going to give and so I can get a lot more. That's not the right thinking. Give. God will repay in whatever ways it is. He will repay for the joy that you have just by giving and sacrificing. How are you teaching your kids how to give? We started giving our children allowance early on when they were small. Here's a dollar. Ten percent of it first goes to Jesus. Ten percent of it or twenty percent you should save. Then you can spend the rest wisely for needs. So you begin to teach your children how to use resources. You may not do it that way, but what is your plan? Your children are resources in your hands. They're gifts from God. And you need to manage them wisely and teach them prudently. So in just a little while, we're going to give. We have the privilege of giving. Huh? Not that we have to pacify God. No, it's just out of the graciousness of His goodness. Father, we thank You today for the privilege that we have to worship You. We give You and have given You already our praise. We, we're going to sing to You again. We're going to worship You. We're going to lift up our voice and, and honor You. And thanks for all that You've done and all You've given us. Praise for who You are, for the hope, for the future. We just give you thanks. And uh, we want to be faithful in the little things so that you will entrust us more. You told parables about people down here on earth who when they used what you gave them wisely, talents, you gave them more. You let them rule over more cities. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I don't know what all that you're going to have us do up there, but if you... Trust us here. You're going to be able to trust us forever. And what you want from us is our heart. And so we give that to you today afresh. Thanking you for Jesus. Thank you for giving your best.